Welcome to Excellent Culture's podcast highlights. In this interview, we visit with Ed Laukas and Jim Mooney, two senior leaders of the marketing division at Toyota USA. You'll note in the interview that both Ed and Jim experienced tremendous improvement in their leadership effectiveness, 68% and 45% respectively, utilizing the Excellent Culture's leadership calibration process. As you listen to these world-class executives share how they improved so much in just 18 short months, you'll quickly realize why their leadership of the Excellent Cultures process has produced such powerful results at Toyota USA. We asked them to be on the show because of the great experience that they have created with the people that they lead in the marketing division in a huge culture breakthrough. You know, you don't see too many. We've been doing culture changes for corporations for over 30 years, and you don't see too many 81% improvements in, in the first 15 months of a project. That's so, pretty big. And these guys, you know, these guys drove that. So that's why I want them to be on do the Do you want to do a quick reminder of how those numbers come together? Well, uh, you know, uh, essentially, uh, as uh, most of our listeners who have experienced the Excellent Cultures process before know, and some of you who are new to it don't, uh, you know, we're all about data-driven performance. And, you know, that's because people can lie about numbers, but numbers never lie about people. Right. And when we look at, you know, the culture MRIs that essentially benchmark and measure what's going on in the culture below the surface, it helps leaders see things that they typically don't ever see and goes way beyond what happens in 360 reviews. And, uh, you know, these guys have rocked it. Ed, I, I really liked what you said about that, you know, you track everything with numbers and, you know, as we as as we do here at Excellent Cultures, because, you know, numbers really tell you things that that you won't see if you're not looking at, you know, what's what's really going on. And, you know, just as we've been, uh, you know, working on this, this, you know, building a great culture in the Toyota marketing team uh, for the last couple of years with you guys, uh, we've watched not just your, you know, your culture scores soar. You know, I think we talked about an 81 percent improvement uh, from when we started the project, when we first got started. And then, um, you know, each of you have had significant improvements in your individual leadership effectiveness scores, you know, uh, in, you know, 40% and 60 some odd percent, uh, respectively, which is, is huge. Um, can, can you, can you give us, you know, some background on, you know, what you guys see and what the marketing team sees as, you know, the, the kind of culture that, that you want to build and sustain at Toyota Marketing and and the why? I mean, why are you guys paying attention to culture? Why don't you just go sell cars? So so for me, this is Jim Mooney. For me, it's what it's been about for the last 15 to 18 months is, is not only are we all one marketing department and what can we improve as a, a whole culture, but also you, I think what, what what's really helpful are the mechanics of taking these numbers and understanding what your constructive styles are, what your, we all have passive defensive styles, whether you like it or not. And then, of course, we're a sales company, so you'd imagine we have some aggressive and defensive styles as well. So what I like about the whole Excellent Cultures uh, model, and you call it an MRI, is I have an MRI from 15, 16 months ago, and then I have an MRI that I just did. And I had action plans from the first, the first uh, impact on others, that I could actually work on. And how I got that action plan is I took all the numbers and what it boiled down to met with my team and we did what was called a more of less of. 
what that is, is it's the qualitative part of the numbers where your team actually, with a good facilitator, without you in the room, talks about what's good, what we want more of, but also what we want less of. So we call it red and green, the red and green behaviors. For me, perfectionistic, I'll admit it, I'm a perfectionist. What does Jim do that's too perfectionist and how can he adapt his leadership style? And then what does Jim do that's good or what can he do more of? Affiliative is something that I worked on more affiliation with my peers and outside partners. And so I had a work plan for the last year and a half. And that's really, you know, that was my roadmap in, in working through this. So while we're trying to improve as a culture in marketing, I was huddling with my team regularly and trying to improve what I was about as a leader. We have a lot of change going on every day. You may or may not know we're moving to Plano, Texas Huge uh, already. Yeah, and so we're losing people that that have been with the company longer than Ed and I have, but we're also bringing in a lot of new people. So being in touch with your constructive styles and how you can engage people, whether they're brand new or they've been here through for a long time, this whole change management that we're going through, this is helping me. It's it's actually you know my my roadmap as I said earlier. Yeah, well that's great to hear. So it sounds like from from your perspective, Jim. You know, uh, having an excellent culture in marketing is about excellent leadership and excellent relationships that exist between yourself and the people that call you their leader. And uh, that, it sounds like, at least from the scores, again, the numbers again, has made a huge, you know, huge difference. And then, and again, speaking of the numbers, as we've been tracking, you know, uh, uh, Toyota's marketing, marketing, uh, you know, marketing by way of your your market share. Uh, you know, in that same period of time since you guys started working on, uh, you know, improving your culture and improving your effectiveness as leaders, you know, the the, the market share is moving accordingly as well. So, uh, you know, and, and again, folks, those of you who don't know, I mean, the automobile business is the most competitive business on the planet. Uh, everybody's got an offering. Everybody's got great products. Everybody's got great things. And what, what really makes the difference is the people, how it's presented, how the products are presented, and the relationships that take place around those. Ed, what's, what's your view of, of, you know, why are we working on culture at, at Toyota Marketing? I mean, is it even important? Yeah, I mean, um, I do think that um, what's interesting, and it's probably something that happens within the Toyota organization that uh, almost anybody can relate to that has a large organization and that you have, you know, kind of a culture that is more corporate, so headquarters or home base, and then you have a field uh, type of culture. And the fields out there communicating with, uh, with the consumers or, con- or with your, I don't care if it's a grocery store or no matter what it is, you're out there and your relationship and, and culture is a little bit different than what happens in your headquarters. And I think um, those two cultures tend to collide when you bring people in from uh, an, a culture that is more, you know, field traveling and dealing with the ultimate consumer versus uh, headquarters, which tend to be a little bit more myopic and also maybe a little bit more uh, focused on uh, long-term, long-term strategic type of thinking versus worried about sales over the next 30 days, over the next 90 days, over the next, uh, over the next six months. And so I think in the marketing world, what happened to Toyota is that we felt that uh, having those two relationships coexist 
within headquarters was really important. And uh, as that happened, as you can imagine, they got a lot of different thinking and a lot of different philosophies and a lot of different reactions based on you know the those two cultures. And so it worked out really well that as we were at a period where we were were embracing that and bringing that forth within the organization that we started to work with excellent cultures and start to look back on um, you know how these different management styles and how these different cultures can coexist, how they can work together and people can learn from each other. Um, you know, Jim mentioned the more of less of, and I will tell you that uh, you know numbers are numbers, and uh, you know you can you can have an argument or discussion about what numbers mean um, for hours and hours and uh, come up with uh, no resolution. But when you sit uh, with 10 or 12 people that you interface with on a day-to-day basis and that are experienced to, you know, what I would refer to as the good, bad, and the ugly of how things are happening uh, within the organization, and they not only give you constructive feedback um, about the way that you interact with your direct reports and also with even people that you may have a not direct relationship, but it may be, you know, second or third line within the management team. And they give you that feedback on their, what their perception is of your management style. It's very, very impactful. Yeah. Well, I, I think what's, what's so great about the two of you guys. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is, you know, great feedback that's driven by data that boils down to specifics. Okay. What can I do more of? What can I do less of? will help anybody improve and and improve their effectiveness as a leader, improve their relationships if if there's action that's taken, you know, on the feedback. And, uh, you know, you guys, according to the numbers, and then, Ed, I had the opportunity to speak directly with your, you know, or your assistant one time, one of the times when I was trying to catch up with you and asked her the question. I said, how in the world did you get him to change so much? And her answer was very simple. She said, Steve, you know, we just got to know we just got to know Ed so much better than we ever did before in those more or less of conversations. And we built a better understanding. And, uh, you know, the results have been huge. So and then, Jim, I know you you developed a plan where you went out and worked one on one with each of your, you know, your leaders, you know, who would call you their boss and, you know, took it even deeper. So, uh, you know, great news. You know, every company has every good company has all kinds of surveys and employee opinions and engagement and employee satisfaction and all these things. But where the rubber meets the road is when you get it down to the specific relationship that exists between a leader and their followers. And, and then, you know, not just will the boss be transparent and, you know, as, as they say at Toyota, open Kimona, you know, op- open their chest and take the bullets when the, the feedback is not that good, but receive that in a positive manner, not get angry, uh, and then go take action on it that your people come back and realize and recognize that, wow, you know, uh, my boss is leading instead of managing and, you know, I, I like working for this guy, uh, you know, which which you're both just to be, you know, I can't give you enough commendation because it's it's rare. It's unusual, especially in corporate America. So many people are just so busy, you know, doing their jobs that they never pay attention to what really impacts their leadership. And, and you guys are doing it and doing it very well. So congratulations. How do you do this? You know, why doesn't everybody do it? Sure. So, so I guess, Steve, it starts from the top, and we're fortunate that we have a chief marketing officer, Jack Hollis, that 
has done breakthrough thinking and the excellent cultures format in a couple of divisions now. And so him bringing it over to us and seeing him espouse and actively engage in it is really the the model for, for us, or it's been for me anyway. So with that model and that support every day, I'm engaged because he's expecting that of me and I'm, I need to give him updates on how I'm doing. So that's the first piece. The second th- piece is really the change that that you go through, through all the breakthrough thinking modules that you have to really take in and start to adapt yourself, not just at work for the 12 or 15 hours a day that you're at work, also at home. And you realize, whether it be your family or, you know, a situation with people that you're not in touch with that you'd like to be, you make changes in your whole world. And that's that's the, the change I think that this is all about. It's not just who Jim is at work, but who is Jim overall. So, so the breakthrough thinking has really helped me there. And I guess the final thing before I pass it to Ed is we just like to have fun. So Ed and I both have in common that work, work is work. We're going to work our tails off, but we're also going to have fun. And I think just having the fun factor and being in marketing definitely helps that really creates a you know, you know, a, a lot more of a breathing that this is, we're going to be engaged because we're having fun. And so you got to make it fun. So that's a, that's a great lead in, uh, Jim, about kind of bringing a little levity to uh, everything that happens on a day-to-day basis. You know, I had a, a vice president when I was a young associate coming up through the ranks and we made a mistake and it cost the company uh, a substantial amount of money. And uh, he said, uh, well, there's nobody on a gurney and we don't have to tell somebody that, you know, it's over. So ultimately we can fix it, repair it and, and then move on. And that is a kind of the mantra that I have lived by in my management style is that uh, if you don't think that mistakes are going to happen, then, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're really living in a fantasy land. So what you have to do is if you prepare the people that uh, are in that are growing through the ranks to be able to be in a position where they feel comfortable making decisions. They understand what the, what the core objectives are for everything within your organization and they're clear on them. Then the decisions that are made uh, will definitely produce the results that you're looking for. And equally the, when there's mistakes that happen, then everybody rallies around those mistakes, refixes them and then moves on. And you don't look back and don't constantly bring back those mistakes and, and what if people. And I think ultimately that helps it, that helps a ton too. Yeah. Well, what, what, uh, uh, we've seen in the data that came from the anonymous responses of the, the folks that, that each of you have identified that call you their respective leader, their boss, so to speak, um, essentially, identifies that that each of you um, have developed a capacity to receive, you know, direct, specific, candid feedback from your people, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, in a manner that produces, con- you know, con- constructive behavior, meaning uh, proactivity where people say, whoa, uh, you know, he took that, he listened to it, he heard me, and not only that, but I see difference. I see a difference in how he's leading and how he's acting and how he's talking to me. And he's asking me for input on how well that he's doing. Uh, that's just not something that you see corporate leaders do these days. Um, you know, how, how, how did you guys feel about that part of the process 
when you first got into it and found out that, you know, golly, you're, you're going to, you know, take some bullets in the chest from your folks uh, when they actually have a forum to not, you know, duck under the table or hide and, and talk about things at the water cooler, but talk about them up front, what they like, what they love, what they dislike and what they hate. Uh, how, how did you feel about it when you first went into it and how did you move it? Because, again, every every leader would like to be able to do this. But where the, the rubber meets the road is in the taking the feedback and making it actionable. I mean, how, how are you guys able to get over that hump of of the initial you know, concern about, gosh, what are they what are they going to tell me? Yeah, I guess for me, Steve, it's been, you know, there's, there's a platform of trust. So just like you trust each other to get things done and execute well every day, it's, it's really the same thing where your team's telling you the good news and the, the not so good news. And whether it's a project or, you know, a business decision, for me, it's been the same thing. So, okay, so you're telling me this is where I could improve and we will be a lot more effective. So the business case was clear. And so during the year and during staff meetings and stand-ups and just checking in, you use you use the references like, if, you know, I know this is my perfectionism, but I really need to know what these numbers, you know, what, what they're what they are before I can support you. So you call it what it is when you when you know you're going to have that behavior. But what it does teach you along the way is your team starts to starts to trust you even more because you're giving them you're giving them. You're taking their candid feedback, and they're able to take your feedback even more. What I also like about what we've been through these last 18 months is the chance to have a vocabulary so everybody on the floor, in both floors actually, has a you know the same vocabulary. So making that your culture where you try to be more affiliative, less perfectionistic in my case, you know, people help you and they coach you along those lines. We make fun of it, but we also take it seriously, especially if somebody's just not happy with you being too involved. So I've learned as a leader to be more of a barrier remover and not get in the weeds as much because my team is more than capable of handling the weeds. Yeah, well said. Ed, what's your point of view on that? How did, how did you get over the initial shock of uh, what, what are these guys going to tell me and how am I going to deal with it? I think it's beyond that. I, I mean, and I'll, I'll make a comment about that, Steve, but I will tell you that, you know, when you first get in the tool that you guys use, the Circumplex, when you first get that back and start looking at it, um, you know, there's a, a little bit, especially if you're high, a highly competitive, high achiever, you get um, upset about it when you first see it. And I think uh, there's not a person that I've talked to that doesn't uh, react to it in an emotional fashion. And um, especially if there's things in there that they don't see in themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the first thing you have to do is you got to read up on a little bit and and look at the tools that that you guys provided and get an idea as to specifically what do these things mean. And then, you know, then you can argue, um, you know, kind of internally, emotionally about, uh, you know, your opinion of, you know, what does this mean? But ultimately, when you sit down with the people and have a conversation with them, that is that is really, as Jim mentioned, that's when the rubber meets the road. That is when you really get some dialogue going. But you have to be encouraging with the team in order to make sure that they feel, and it may take multiple meetings, but till they get to the point where they feel comfortable giving you honest feedback. Because in some cases, depending on how that circumplex lays out, you know, there are probably some cultural issues 
within your leadership team that they may be a little bit hesitant to have that conversation. So if you go through a couple of these, then all of a sudden you get the team gets a little bit more relaxed. Um, you know, one of the ones that came out for me, and uh, you guys know this, is that, uh, you know, the very first thing with the circumplex is that I had the thing blown up to about uh, three by three foot card, and I posted it on my window. And people used to come by and go, I can't believe that, uh, especially to my assistant, I can't believe that he took a circumplex and posted it up on his on his window. What's he trying to say? And uh, Or they stick their head in the door and go, hey, that's pretty cool that you did that. What's that all about? And I said, that's who I am. And that's not saying that uh, I'm going to work on that and be better, but this is who I am. And I'm not hiding anything. Yeah. And I think the reception from the entire marketing department that uh, I, as one of the senior leaders in the group, was willing to do that was great. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the chest. I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that I was trying to be as transparent as possible. Well, what what our listeners don't know is that those first scores that you posted in the first go round uh, were not pretty. <laughs> they were not pretty. But the fact that you took you know, this, what might, what some might perceive as something that you want to hide, you know, in the bottom drawer of the desk or, you know, stick in a three ring binder and put it on yourself to gather, (laughs) gather dust. You know, you blew it up and stuck it on your wall and said, you know, this is me and this is what I'm working on changing. I mean, that, that had to be huge. First of all, you know, Toyota is one team. And so our 12 regions and private distributors and everybody on campus, our financial organization, everybody works together. And it's all of us you know, making, making this happen. And, you know, I'm, I'm merely just a spokesperson of my, of my part of the world. And yes, it's very much a, a flexible environment at this point. And you're learning flexibility that you've never known before. It's like being a good sprinter. And then all of a sudden you're being asked to do pole vaulting, you know? So every day is a priority, priority session. <laughs> what are our priorities today? And being synced in with your team on that, but also just asking people to step up and I'm seeing managers and and team members step up like they've never stepped before because we're, we just have a lot of fluctuation going in, in our associate pool right now. So for me, it's about that straight talk, what do you really need today, and what four or five priorities do we really need to get through this week so we can continue to be successful. And it's going to be this way for the next 18 months and even when we move to Texas. It's, it's just what it is. So I'm more flexible than I ever thought I could be. And this is exactly why Excellent Cultures has been meaningful to me. You know, Steve, it's, it, again, it's my roadmap. So as we wrap up the show, we got about a minute left. If you guys could, yeah. you know, put your coaches head, hats on and think about what advice you could give to any leader who's listening from any size of a business, from, you know, mom and pop startup to Fortune 5 like you guys. Um, you know, most people think culture is this warm and fuzzy, squishy stuff, that it's not about you know, competition. It's not about market share. It's not about succeeding. Uh, you know, how would you, you know, what advice can you give them along those lines? Yeah, for me, it's the whole brand of, of the outfit you're working for, right? Your, your team has to feel really good about the people, the leaders, uh, their coworkers of, of the outfit they're working for. It's, it's a whole brand experience that you're creating inside the organization. So, you can't expect to have a strong brand outside if you're not strong inside. Yeah, for me, it's it's really, really pretty simple. And that is, you know, if you know exactly what your goals and objectives are, make sure everyone understands that. And then 
do everything in your power to let them run with it as long as they can to achieve those goals and be there to assist them when they need it. Um, and then make sure that you're celebrating successes and that you don't dwell on failures. And a lot of coaching along the way, right? Yeah. A lot of coaching. Yeah. yeah. Well said, you guys. Thank you for being on the show. It's been awesome. Thanks for listening to another great leader who built an excellent culture. Check out excellentcultures.com for the next Achieving Excellent Culture Leadership Workshop and start your journey to best in your industry.